Welcome to episode 39 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. Uh, we're sitting in the studio today, and uh, well, 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 Craig, we find ourselves again triggering another catastrophic weather event. Yep, it's all our fault. Purely by booking a hike for today. More about that after the fantastically cool intro tune. Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps and track your location even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarized Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian superfine merino wool base, mid and top layer garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Caribbee, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast. So please jump online and check out what they have to offer. Yukon Jack is our premium sponsor for this episode. With five bold 100 proof flavor options in their 50 mil range, it's the perfect excuse for whiskey drinkers to enjoy something new on their next outdoor adventure. Yukon Jack, only the strong survive. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners. Craig, how are you, buddy? Hey, Tom. Oh, I'm okay. I'm. I don't know if I'm okay. It's. It's a sad day, but a happy time because we're doing a podcast. But we're <laughs> meant to be sitting next to uh, a stream by now, probably onto our second coffee, mm-hmm. and doing this podcast there. Right, that goes without saying. I was excited and now mm. a little bit let down by the unfolding events. It's been raining significantly. Yeah. Like, I mean, to the point where uh, there's. I had a look at the map this morning just to make sure that we weren't, um, how would you say, uh, mm. you know, pulling out of this thing too early. And. There was just roads closed all over yeah. the the state, and particularly in, in our area, north of our area, and then south of our area, which is where we were planning to be. Uh, I had a look at the rain last night, um, and it was just huge. Like, there was a massive, massive, massive cell, um, and then all through the night every time i woke up it was bucketing down yeah it's just coming straight down so heavy so heavy and then i looked at the forecast <laughs> for the area we're heading to and both of us knowing that area well there's lots of low-lying uh creeks and river crossings and i guarantee you they're not even marked on that map i was looking at yeah so even if you make it 
through the major or semi-major roads, you're not going to make it to where we were trying to get to. Yeah, so mm. we had to. We actually talked a few days ago about um, about what was coming up and, you know, we both agreed, let's do it, let's still we're go. We're doing it, we're doing we're going, it. We're going, we're going. Yeah, this is one of the first times that I can remember, if not no, no, the no. very first time we've pulled out. No, no, oh, it reminds me of, remember the Green Gully? Oh, that was slightly different in that was raging bushfires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But remember we'd driven Except all the way. we drove eight hours. Exactly. Eight and hours all the way to this little country town. All ready to go. And then we, Couldn't. as as previously organized, we called the ranger and said, okay, we're here. Um, can you please provide us with the key to the gate and the accommodation? And he said, oh, we already, um, mm. well, what, what do you mean? Like that? We told you, didn't we? We told you. And I said, well, told us what exactly? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, the whole place is on fire. Like the, it, literally the whole area is on fire. And uh, like it was even encroaching on the accommodation and everything. And yeah. he said, oh, we've got marked down here that we told you, we called you and told you. I said, no. look politely uh do you think i would have driven eight hours yeah to then try and get a key off you if there was if i had received a phone call and had a conversation and secondly do you think i would have forgotten the conversation and turned up anyway yeah uh anyway they were apologetic no, no dramas there i'm not pointing the finger at anybody but yeah that was a that shocker sort of last minute cancellation same here we were <clears throat> i even set my alarm for early everything packed yep and then i set my alarm for early and then i texting craig at nah, what too much rain five in the morning saying sorry mate i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna i think we should not do this yeah add to that we were the actual hike that we were going to do today three days uh, today would have seen us crossing a minimum of two, I'll call them streams or creeks, but knowing that area pretty well, they, they could swell to, yeah, something I'd call a small river. Mm. Uh, when we've hiked there in the past, we've seen the physical damage done by flooding. And that means like, say 10, 15, 20 foot high of logs <laughs> yeah. piled up. And so... Uh, look, when I get into the news stories, I'll probably touch on this again because of, um, because of a couple of things, because of our last podcast and this situation and something that's happened in the news. So, oh, there's, there's something to stick around for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's revisit this conversation. Anyway, mate, we're turning it into lemonade, isn't that what they say? We're, we're um, turning getting, lemons into lemonade, getting together, and we're turning, yeah, doing something instead of we're turning um, rain into rainbows, mate. That's, that's it. What we're doing here. exactly what we're doing. I have a average coffee and uh, a glass of water, and I'm ready to go. Let's go, man. Let's <laughs> let's do something today. What well, what's been going on? What's been going on with you? Anyway, I literally I haven't spoken to you about anything except um, oh cowboy yeah. hats. Cowboy hats. Uh, yep, I got a new hat today. Thanks, mate. That's really going to be cool. Yeah, it's a very nice hat. I think um, it comes from a good home. We, I did message you and you replied, but we haven't spoken since our last podcast outdoors, which and, was only a few weeks ago. And yeah. I think that's what's really cool is is we're backing it up. Yeah, we're trying to just make a bit of a commitment to speed things up. 
make it more enjoyable for us. But if you listen to that in the first um, few moments, I talk about flicking a leech off. And oh yes, please, please give. I me um, a... sent you a photo, didn't oh, I? Oh my gosh! So my ankle got a uh, couple of bites, and they went real septic, and I ended up with an infection that was um, pretty bad. Really, I had I couldn't walk on it for two days. Oh my gosh, I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe how. Um, I was hobbling your around. Your body like just does not like little things. I was ex- the... explaining to people though, and and they're like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, yeah." And I'm like, "But I've been bitten so many times. This shouldn't yeah, happen." To be precise, a hundred times on my neck in, in one, one hike. Hike. It was um, <laughs> so just a usual leech bite, but um, yeah, it it swelled up my whole ankle. My foot became wow. It, swollen. I don't know. It got worse than that photo. I had really? to take full strength antibiotics for six, five or six days, oh, and um, by the third day, it was it was under control and just starting to be itchy instead of sore. It was it was intense. Oh no, I didn't get this full story. Wow, that I, I'm telling you, the the photo is something that you don't <laughs> want to have to see. Um, I wasn't like of your nether regions or something. It, it <laughs> that's not where you got the leech. It was just your ankle, but it was horrific and if you say it got worse than that yeah it did wow that's not cool no no. that's funny that we've got uh you know like audio evidence of the exact time of you saying it's just a leech mate it does it's just don't worry about it it's just a leech i'm flicking it off it's no Uh, big deal we do this all the time in australia mate flicking leeches off it's no drama Oh, but when I get home, I have to get a full course of antibiotics because my (laughs) my leg nearly fell off from gangrene. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually recall talking to the doctor saying, look, what do I have to watch for here? Do I, um, you know... At what point do you get the sore out, Doc? (laughs) (laughs) I was a bit scared. I'll do it myself. Whoa, put that hatchet down, kid. No, anyway, it's all good. So uh, that actually slowed me down a little bit and... um, Literally. Yeah, I haven't haven't been out since then. Um, the weather's been bad, and I've just been doing some stuff around here, hacking down some trees and stuff, environmental stuff. Oh, you know? oh good. Yeah, I think in the gardens, nothing. Yeah, nothing, yeah. N- nothing too serious. Not any old growth. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that story! Oh, wow! I can't believe that leech story. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone having yeah. a reaction like that. I bet. Yeah. I bet someone listening has, though. Yeah, I'm going to take it a bit more seriously. I'm going to wear yeah, Eric Arden red and stuff yeah, to keep yeah, him away. Yeah. Um, because I usually, initially when we first started dealing with leeches, I would be very careful and you would remove them carefully mm-hmm. and you would p- perhaps use an alcohol swab to mm, cleanse the site. Yeah, right, right, right. Which I didn't do anymore. You just get complacent. Yeah. Well, perhaps. it depends how long they've been on as well. I had uh, one on me on the same day. And I flicked it off and you could just see where it had started to give me a love bite. Yeah. So it hadn't actually broken the skin or if it had, it was very, very mild, minor. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that depends as well. Like he, he's obviously opened up a wound and yeah. has his filthy Got some mouth on there. Horrible germs in there. Yeah. So... Because what I used to do as well, and I I say used to, but I still do it, is I carry uh, salt in my first aid kit. And it's just so easy to, if you've got a couple on you, 
because they're quite hard to get off. In fact, they're really, really hard to get off. They're hard to grab. You've got I, to really squeeze them to get them off. And well, that's, I think if you're grabbing them, they can that's like, the issue. regurgitate they, into your bloodstream, that sort of thing. Yeah. So the salt thing, um, I've heard say people say, argue against the salt thing. Say, oh, if you do that, they'll freak out and, and regurgitate. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disagree because the speed at which they let go when a couple of grains of salt touch their skin is unbelievable. Yeah. It's a split second. I remember I had like 19 on my knee yeah. around my um, the top of my gaiters. I didn't even know were there. I looked down. I got the salt out and just sprinkled it and they dropped off instantly. So Yeah, that's the preferred method. Although if you read a few forums, because I got a bit interested, a lot of people say scrape them off, but there was no clear explanation of... Well, I kind of understand that. that that's that. kind of what you do with a... But with know, a blade a, or with just... Because I, I, I tried to use a stick to knock a couple off and they just... They no, no, that wouldn't work. They're no, you you need to get something... Um, Sharp. Yeah. Because you've got to release that um, suction... Yeah. But what I'd say to that is, Just whilst salt. I have done that before, and it um, only on a couple of occasions, it's a little bit dangerous depending on your blade. <laughs> and uh, I also think there's more time there where you're agitating this thing yeah, yeah. and flicking it around and stuff like <laughs> that. So I, I just sprinkle salt on, they drop off. And then the added bonus of that is whatever residual salt is on the last time I did it, it was on my leg. I just rub that salt into the wounds and leave it there to dry. That makes sense. And you know full well that the next one that crawls up and touches that salt instantly won't even, well, he'll yeah. just drop off your leg. He's not yeah. going to stay there because they cannot tolerate salt. Yeah. Uh, it, it's bad for them. So, mm. oh, wow. That's... Oh, See, I would, have, I would have said that, you know, in Australia, you didn't have too much to worry about with our leeches. I've never been too worried about them. Mm. I've never been... Um... I'll tell you what, we've spoke about this years ago. You know those two tick bites? Ticks I worry about. Man, I still, every sort of few months, I'll get a tiny little scab on the back of my neck exactly where that thing bit me two years ago. Really? Exactly. And the other one on the left-hand side of my head. You got I you guys pulled one off on the trail or at the end of the trail yep. and the second one uh you pulled it off when we were sitting in the bakery eating a meat That's pie right. afterwards. Oh, now. Yep, yep. So now both of those have become irritable spots precisely pinpoint where I got bitten. Not the area the area doesn't flare up nothing happens. Um just an itchy spot there. Isn't that not amazing? even not even itchy. I just notice, oh what why have I got a tiny little scab here? Okay. Oh, that's the same spot again. <laughs> Every four months or six months. Spooky. Creepy because what is causing that? And yeah. I'm I'm sure our US listeners are freaking out because well, I was gonna they say, have Lyme disease, right? Over there, yeah. And with leeches, I don't travel as much as some. Are they Pretty worldwide leeches, not just Australian. Oh right? yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, absolutely. People are like, dealing with that. Oh yeah, like in the Amazon, they're the size of your leg for sure. Like, yeah, just, no, that makes sense. They'll just leave you like a. Um, so we're not sucked, just 
talking to pour something. your blood so you'll just look like a pillowcase <laughs> without a pillow in it on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, no, no. I think leeches are, are, are worldwide for sure. Yeah, but I actually, yeah, I got seven bites the other day. So oh, you got seven from that I trip? I seven oh, bites. okay. Seven. And they come Was up it? like a little mozzie bite that is itchy okay. for a couple of days, but then it went bad. It wow. About two days later, it just went. I think it'll be the title of this podcast will just be <laughs> leeches, hiking with leeches, <laughs> because I just want to keep talking about it. No, that's not. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, speaking of critters, I got a new dog. Oh, that's right. Yeah. How cool. She's absolutely beautiful. Um, sadly, my old boy passed on a few weeks back, yeah. uh, a dog that I've had for many years, and it was a tough day for me. It was, I couldn't talk about it on the last podcast because it was literally mm. the reason we went hiking. Yep. It was the, the, the day, day that we recorded that podcast was the day after I had to get him um, put down, you know, euthanized. So uh, it was a very peaceful and nice, as nice as it could possibly be in the uh the veterinary surgery that the staff were fantastic and um you know it was it wasn't rushed or anything we took our time and had a good gave him a good belly scratch and everything and um but it, it was time he he'd been going downhill long story short uh he he's had a tumor for a long time uh like a year over a year and we've been able to use steroids to keep that at bay but just like the specialist said, one day the steroid will stop um, responding and will start to just keep growing. And also uh, high doses of steroids on small animals like that take their own toll and that's exactly what happened. So it was time for him to have a nice rest. Mm. And um, Very sad. The, yeah, it's sad. But the, the thing I want to say about I'm I'm definitely not one of these people to just replace a dog, and that's not what this new dog is. Just to be clear, I I was actually looking at getting this dog, uh, not this exact dog, a dog, seven months or six or seven months before the other dog passed on, so that I could have a transition period where, because um, he he was old, but he loved puppies and. I thought that might have been nice, but we left it too long and thought, oh, we didn't want to have a little puppy irritating him in his last peaceful days, so we held off. Hence the reason that when he did pass away, I was ready to strike. Uh, I knew exactly what I wanted. And um, so, yeah, I picked up a little, two weeks ago, I think it was now, a little, uh, they call him a red, but to, to, to the unknowing person, she looks chocolate. A little kelpie, yeah, gorgeous. Um, but she does have a red sheen if you get her in the sunlight. Um, and we named her Skippy, which is an iconic name Absolutely. in Australian. Uh, I was going to say folklore, but it's more like uh, pop culture. Yeah. Uh, if you Google, I'll, I'll try and find. Actually, I saw some on YouTube. I'll, I'll put a funny Skippy. Skippy the bush kangaroo. Absolutely. Clip into the show notes. 
go and check it out. Yeah, that's a classic series, um, mate. I'll let the kids classic. watch it now. Do you, have you lo- looked it up? It's, no. on, it's on YouTube. Is that right? Yeah, no, that's what I saw. I saw something because I was trying to, I was showing my son what Skippy was. Not but, the real early series, though. The, the, mm. the second series, I believe, is what we were able to get to. For all the US listeners, think uh, Lassie. Yes, okay, yep. And just switch it out for a kangaroo in Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same. So oh, cool. what's that, Skip? An old man's fallen down the well. Yep. Let's go. Yep, that's right. Oh, it's exactly that. Yeah. And, and this, this kangaroo, their pet kangaroo, just helps them yeah. foil crimes and yeah. catch bad guys and stop environmental baddies from dumping stuff in the river. And, yep. Oh, it's hangs so out cool. with the local rangers and yeah, yeah, goes exactly. in little helicopters. Yeah, and, yeah I, awesome. I used to love that ranger. That yeah. um, the guy, the the character and the actor. I was as a kid. I thought, oh, that guy's just like an epic yeah. mentor. Yeah. For some reason, um, I just thought thought he was so cool. One, yeah. he was one of my favorite characters beyond e- even more than Sonny, who's the lead. That's right, the little kid. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the, her name wasn't because of that. Um, it just turned into, it was going to be Skipper and, uh, within two hours, it just didn't roll off the tongue. And I said, guys, can we switch this to Skippy? And everyone went, oh yeah, that, that's even better. (laughs) (laughs) And it stuck like the proverbial to a blanket. No, that's good, mate. Yeah. So she's going to be, um, she's not going to be at home all the time. She's going to be a hiking buddy, uh, especially when we hit. Um, private property like um, mm-hmm. my good friend's place, which you visited. Yep. Uh, which I think is to be a very different experience for me. Um, I've never ever hiked with a dog. Yeah. Never had that um, companionship. Uh, well, let's do it. You know, no offense to you, mate. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> I've just never felt like you've been there for yeah, me. Yeah, you've been so lonely. You know, it's so lonely, even though you're in the next tent. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, you know what I mean? Uh, even if up. I bring you, I'll still bring her to cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> She's not as stinky. Look, all that's fair enough. Uh, yeah, so that's exciting. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll get a nice photo of her and I'll chuck it up on Instagram for the, for the listeners. Yeah, good one. Um, oh, hot topic. The, uh, we haven't even got into news yet. This, this is going to be a big one, boys and girls. The Facebook group we spoke about it in the last episode yes yeah before it even existed and i remember you saying to me oh you're uh, actually um putting a target on your back there you've got to <laughs> do this you've got to do this and so yeah i'm I, impressed I did. you did it oh, thank you very much because it, it wasn't as straightforward as i imagined because i wanted to keep it associated with uh the hike or die page uh it's called the Hodcast, which was our affectionate name for the podcast in the early days. And we've already got a ton of people have jumped on jumped on over there and and started to um, you know have conversations within that group. The thought process behind it was we already had a Facebook page where we would sort of post updates and things like that, but uh, one of our um, long-time listeners, Robin, suggested, have you thought about a group where we can get on as well and just continue conversations uh, from the podcast? So, mm-hmm. for example, 
this is a perfect example. Uh, someone can listen to this episode and say, oh, wow, I grew up in, you know, Guatemala, and you should see the size of leeches there. <laughs> and they can jump in to the group and start their own conversation and there. And that can lead and to... And that can lead to people Remedies from all, and... Oh, yeah. from People from all around the world can then jump in on that and say, oh, I always use the salt. Oh, I, yeah. I never use the salt. Hey, Craig, you fool. When they say scrape, they don't mean with your razor sharp knife. carving knife. <laughs> take an inch of your skin uh, yeah, as take well. take an inch of your skin <laughs> as well. Uh, like all these sorts of... So I thought it was a... I thought it was a good idea and obviously by the amount of people that have jumped over there... In the short amount of time, it it seems to be, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really happy. I th- I think it's good. I think it's going to grow, and I would encourage you, uh, regardless of if you're already following the hike or die page, to go and follow the group. Yeah, uh, there is a link. Let me just quickly mention the show notes for those of you who haven't listened. To the other 38 episodes. Mm-hmm. What I do is create show notes as a reference to what we discuss in the podcast so that you don't have to try and write things down or remember them for later. You can jump onto hikeordie.com, go to the podcast page and select the episode of interest and you'll get an entire uh list of of things we've talked about the gear the whatever is all there for later uh if you're on instagram a very easy way to do that is to go back to our bio and there's a a link in there called hod links hit on that link and there's every possible thing that you could uh want uh at quick Reference. Have you seen that, Craig? What did you just say then? Go back a step. The um, Instagram. So go to our Instagram bio. Oh, I get you. Yeah. Yep. So Instagram. But does that link page. you to the? There's a little. Um, there's a hyperlink there. Link. Click on the link, and it it won't take you straight to the Hike or Die website anymore. It takes you to a Hod Links page. Uh, okay. And they're quick, quick reference links. Oh, to the episodes. To anything. Oh. All different things. Oh, like cool. to the new. The easiest way, the reason I brought this up is the easiest way to get to the Hodcast Facebook group is okay. to go to the links and, and there. there's a big old button An that option. says something exactly like, drum roll, just distract the listeners while I find this. Uh, oh, look at that. That's nice. Uh, I'm... Now, well, the internet's a bit slow. Must be the rain. Well, well, uh, it says, yeah, you scroll down, and it's got Hodcast Facebook group. Click on that, and you'll go directly to that group. You don't have to search for it or anything. Yeah, well, I was waiting for you before you said the 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 um, Instagram thing, just to say you always do a great job on the um, Thank show you. notes, mate. Very much. And that group looks fantastic. I'm tempted to put up some stupid questions already, but Excellent. yeah, exactly I'm why a, you're not admin. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping there's other people out there. Jump on. Give us some uh, well, thought, you know, something to think about. Throw it up there. And if, if someone writes something, I, I don't want to be I don't want to be answering all the questions. So let's just no, that's all the, jump in. That, that's exactly the point. And yeah. uh, it's it's, um, it's even better because we're getting people who know a wide variety of things sort of joining in on that. Mm-hmm. You just... Uh, 
have I gone off on a big tangent here? No, so that that's the way to find the show notes and the uh, the group because there's even a podcast show notes button in that um, in those links as well. So there's plenty of stuff there, but I'm going to continue. Uh, so Robin was listening to our episode, our last episode, and when we were uh, talking about cowboy coffee. He's, he's wrote to me and said, oh, wow, we have this thing um, here in Scandinavia, which is, sounds very similar. <clears throat> and that's what he's posted in the Facebook group. It's called Kokafe. Uh, he's going to laugh at my pronunciation. Kokafe? Kokafe? Kokafe. Something like that in Sweden, uh, which I think literally translates to boil coffee from what he said. <laughs> okay. Uh, and he's got a little tiny Trangia teapot. Like, it's actually a teapot shape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not just yep. a pot. Yep. And he says that he does that, and uh, they that's what they do. So, I just I, thought it was it was cool that there was an, uh, a European equivalent. No, I was impressed. I wasn't quite expecting <clears throat> you to be just throwing coffee into a, a pot of water the way you did. So, I'm surprised it worked out. I, I should have... I, I didn't realize that that's what we're going to be talking about because I should have joined you. I should have had some, but I had my own. Remember that? Yeah, you had your own. I had my own. Subpar. No, not as good. Not as good. Cowboy coffee, I'll give Cowboy it a go. Cowboy coffee, man, or cocafe, as uh, I like to say now. Very cool. <laughs> uh, oh, there's something else I was going to add. Oh, yeah, one thing. Apologies on that last podcast. I listened back... Uh, as I do sometimes to make sure that I collect everything in the show notes that we talk about. And boy, oh boy, was I slow. I mean, I'm slow now, but I was slow. <laughs> it was painful for me to listen to. And my excuse for that is I cannot do two things at once. I was trying to manage the coffee and all sorts of things. And I had zero, literally zero notes Mm-hmm. and I was all over the place. What um, I do is I put you on uh, one and a half speed on my uh, phone when yep. I'm listening back, and yeah. it's perfect. You just sound normal. I just sound like a normal person. No, that's good when that happens. Uh, well, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> You've just given everyone a tip as well. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I could listen to their... You mean I could listen to their podcast in three hours instead of... <laughs> Six? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Uh so anyway, yeah, that's why I was slow. I was trying to do two things, which I'm trying to do now as well, is look for things. Uh, let's talk <clears throat> stickers. We haven't even got to the news yet. This is good. Stickers. We spoke about them a long time ago on the podcast, and and I remember saying to you I wasn't going to launch them till the new year because I knew I was going away for Christmas, and I knew that it was just going to be too much for me to handle. Well... I did launch them this week and the uptake has been incredible. I thank you to everyone. Is that right? Uh, yeah, they're going out all over the world. They're already on their way to the UK, US, oh, cool. uh, the other side of Australia <clears throat> and uh, a few other places as well. So, Oh, they look great. I'm really proud to show people. <clears throat> they look awesome. Yeah, that's... Um, it's funny, I was talking to somebody about the stickers yesterday. They said they they saw the, the post and they thought those, they looked excellent. And I said, look, the two things. Um, they're not the cheapest stickers in the world. 
that's a fact. <laughs> but they are very, very, very good quality because I said to them, I'm not going to send a sticker all the way to the US or Ireland or some weird little country and they turn up and it's some, you know, paper yeah. thing that just lasts yeah, yeah. for... No, these are good. Can I digress and tell you something? Um, which I haven't Only told... if it's positive about It's the great stickers. about the stickers. Okay. I hadn't told you this. Remember how I had about four sitting here in this area, in this studio? Uh, One of yeah. the twins came in and this is how calm, this is how calm we went on their first overnight hike is because of those stickers. They spotted them. Oh, you them. didn't tell me this. I haven't told you this. No, 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 you didn't. They wanted a sticker and they said, can I have a sticker, Dad? And I said, you have to earn it. <clears throat> oh, nice. I said, you have to earn the sticker. So um, that's when we plotted the... It was like, a, it was like their first badge. Their yeah, hiking exactly. badge. You, you can't get one oh, unless you cool can hike. That? So unless you've done a decent oh, hike. So like that's a how patch. we... That's what I'm trying to say, a patch. Yeah, we plotted out their, um, their overnight adventure that we got cramped up in a little tiny tent for a night and yeah it was great but that was all they got their of those stickers. stickers they got they oh, their stickers, cool. i gotta get you some more 100 percent. uh that's so cool man makes me think we should get some badges uh badges embroidered like proper Scouse. patches yeah like the, there's in in the states they're huge on that are they oh man you see like if you do some particular hikes you can oh, right. you can get the patch for it and sew it onto your jacket yeah. or your hat or your Pack. Yeah, yeah. I or see you could have a bunch on your guys pack. sticking them in their jeeps up on the roof, like all these oh, different yeah. locations they've been and stuff yeah, like that. Cool. They're like little iron on or yeah, it's things. Yeah, like, like embroidered things, like that thing up there on. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, yeah, yeah. So that exactly you like sew that. them on or something. Yeah, mm, got me thinking. Okay, guys, hit us up. Let me know if that's something you want me to look into. I am. I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse. Is that right? Yeah. Uh but I am looking into hats, but there's it's a lot more research and development and testing and obviously a bigger cash outlay for me to organize that. But I am already in negotiations with a company for them uh, and they, they would ha obviously have the logo on them. Mm -hmm. um, but And honestly, you know, by the way that the stickers have, have gone, it kind of tells me that you guys are you know, interested in the in the brand and the, the logo and want to go and represent that. So, yes, it's really giving me a hurry up. That's good. So it's ready to go. Way. Get in there. Yeah, yeah. Go Good jump one. in there. Again, um, The uh, that's over on Kofi, the stickers. Uh, easiest way to get to that is to either go to hikeordai.com and go all the way across to Hodlinks where the very first button at the top is Hod shop, and they'll take you directly to our Kofi store. Um, Kofi's where you can also support the podcast, even if you don't want a sticker. But uh, it was just a lot easier for me because of the payment gateway and everything, just to set up the store on there. That's why it's there. All right. Uh, now I've got a very serious question here, and I alluded to it earlier in the conversation. Ah, Craig, I've, I'm going to spring this on you. Yeah? Yeah, we have not discussed this, like many things. <laughs> when we first started this podcast, I used to joke around, because I like acronyms and stuff, and I used to call it the Hodcast. The reason 
there's two reasons why I didn't proceed with that name when actually creating the podcast. One is I thought that it might have only been funny or quaint or cool or whatever the word is to us. But I, I kind of like acronyms that, um, you know, that's... So hod- I'm a fan of acronyms. Obviously, podcast, hod- hate, hike or die, hike cast. or die, cast. Yeah, yeah, cool. And, and I like it. Sounds cool, right? Yeah. So we used to just talk about that, and to be honest, in um, in folders on my computer where I store things, I, I literally call that that the hod cast folder. But I think never... I recall you asking if people liked it. Yeah, that's when we had three know. listeners and so exactly. nobody responded. But yeah, but there's actually no that that's a lie. People did actually. Um, People have jumped on Instagram and stuff before and gone, yeah, can't wait for the next podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> Look, the other reason was more of a um, technical reason, and that is I thought if people didn't know what our podcast was, um, it's going to be more understandable if it's the Outdoor Adventure Podcast, okay? So that's why I made it that. Now I think we're getting into a territory where... If you know, you know. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's time. I, I, well, it's a question. It's not a definitive, but my gut feel is I, I think I want to go. I mean, I called the page, the new Facebook group, uh, rather. I called that the Hodcast as a tribute to when we used to call it that. But I want to know if that should stick and I'll, I will change it for the next episode if people so episode 39 of the podcast rather than okay cool well like it well, i just think i'll just refer to it as the podcast got it everywhere yeah um let us know what your thoughts are on that because it's a pretty big thing i mean it's probably not a big thing people don't care what it's called um because they just listen to it <laughs> but, that's right but uh is it cliche is it silly i don't know at first i thought it was just a funny thing but then, hike or die was just a funny thing I said one day, mm-hmm. right? That uh, paid homage to skate or die when I was a kid. Yeah. It was a big thing, um, a phrase a phrase used throughout the skateboarding community. Yeah. And as a joke, I said hike or die yeah. to you and a mate that we hiked with, and it um, it stuck. So, I don't know. It was just a conversation point. Interesting. I'll leave that up to you, mate. I do like the yeah, idea. Yeah, see, I might just make my own decision. Yeah, that's But what I you just wanted do. to put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I can just say whatever I want. Next podcast, say, oh, 10 million people wrote in and said they sure wanted they me to change it. Sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it went viral, man. The last thing I want to talk about in news is... We have a giveaway this episode, which I'm very, uh, I'm very happy about. It's with one of our sponsors, who are Caribbe. They supply uh, many of our packs um, and dry bags as well, and our big expedition yep. bags that we kind of stuff everything into at the last minute when we can't think of what we need to pack, and then we repack at the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that fantastic quality. I've been using them for years. I was using Caribbean before they were a sponsor uh, because of the quality. And I mean that quality across the board, 
the zips, the straps, the materials, just mm-hmm. the thought that's gone into the pockets and sections. I think they're great packs. Uh, now it is your turn to own one. We're going to be giving away two packs this episode. Uh, not the late wrapper, but two backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> two packs. Uh, but I'll talk about that later in the show because I want to jump into some really cool news stories. What do you think about that, Craig? Yeah, mate, that's good. Right? It is good. I'm excited about that one. It's, it's nice to be able to give back give to back. you guys um, just for the fun of it. Pay it forward. That'll be good. Mm. And I'll go into it later detail, but this pack I've been testing um, for a few months now, and I really, really like it. It's a good size, and yeah, I'll talk about it later. All right, here's one, Craig. Let's get straight into some cool stuff. Did you see the video that was getting around of the, uh, the it's kind of like a mountain bike race, and the, this bull smashes this cyclist no (laughs) i'm laughing about it because the guy got away with no dramas that's why i'm laughing about it right right in zero injuries but um in fact his his quote the guy who got hit his quote was um the list of what doesn't hurt is my left arm and my head (laughs) (laughs) so at least his head i mean that's a good thing the head is safe right uh it's, and it was caught on film, yeah? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nice. Yes, it, it is on film. Wow. And um, this thing, this thing uh, is is yeah. aggressive. I'll show you the video after I've told you a little bit more about it. Let me just turn the volume up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hang on, I'm going to cue it up for you. So um, let me tell you a bit more about it. It's a. It's called the Rock Cobbler Bike Race. It's near a place called Bakersfield in California, and it's eighty mile off road race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's decent. Which is a lot. Yeah, uh, a lot. And Richard Pepper, the guy who caught this on film, the, the, I'm going to read a lot of this article to you because it's the way he talks about it is so funny. Well, I think it's funny. Just some of the things he says are great. I'll read some of it to you here. So, yeah, Richard Pepper was the one who shot the video. And uh, he... Let me see where he starts talking. Oh, yeah. He says, I learned later that one of the promoters... From one of the promoters that they were aware of an aggressive bull on the property. So that obviously being an 80-mile race, it passes through many different properties to mm-hmm. link up, um, yeah. I guess, yeah. potentially to national parks as well. But it's going through private property. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they were aware of an aggressive bull. And before the race, they drove it to the far side of their very large ranch. So they've gone, uh, let's just you know, drove this thing right down on the far side. Away from it. 100 acres away or whatever. And we should be fine. Uh, Yeah, the bull came back to the section of the race, the section of the property where the race was going through. Uh, When when he... When... uh, So the, the, the guy telling the story here, when he got to the trail, there was already about 15 riders stopped because of the bull. 
and uh, more and more races were starting to um, stack up behind him. And some some people tried to just go around the ball, and some got through, as he says, some got through. The, the bull charged and struck three riders total. What? Yeah. <laughs> and this is... Um, this guy's... This Sam Ames, uh, the self-described chief excitement officer of the rock cobbler. Imagine if that was your job title. <laughs> yeah, right. I wouldn't mind that. Hey, what's, show me your business card. Oh, I'm the chief excitement officer of the rock cobbler. <laughs> That's perfect. That's epic. I Seems want it. Yeah, I want some kind of a card with something like that on it. Uh, anyway, yeah, he he posted the video up, and uh, he confirms that three people in inverted commas got tangled up with that bull. Everybody's good. They're all back here drinking beers. Ames says in the video. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man, but I I want to show you the. Uh, <coughs> I'll show you the video and, and I'll just kind of talk through what's... So, this bull here is just cruising around and he's not... He's... How would you say? He looks agitated. Look, look at this. Look at this. Boom! Smashes this guy. He's already at... Watch this one. Yay! He's like a rodeo clown. Gets flicked in the air. So this... And the, that's look at this. This is replaying it. So the first one goes past, and the bull's not happy that he let one go, so he's moved close to the trail. The second guy slows and stops. Oh, boom! No. Watch this. Oh. Hey, unbelievable, eh? Okay, yes, <laughs> returning to my mic. Thank you for that. Jeez, I can't unsee that. No, it is. As I said, I'm, I'm sorry I'm laughing, but it because he got away um, without any <clears throat> dramas, I think it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. No, do be do beware of any any, any bulls that you come across in your journeys. No That's bull, man. Scary stuff. Well, I want to go from from something uh, funny because they did survive to something quite somber, and the, the reason I want to. Um, talk about this is because I think mm, there's a lot of things I want to say about this. <clears throat> Let me just read some of the article too. Um, basically, the, the the heading is the headline is uh, "Hiker dies on closed trail." Seventy-two-year-old woman died after falling and suffering a severe head injury on a closed hiking trail during a group hike in Pennsylvania. Uh, so prior to the fall, this hiking club, uh, had arranged a bus with 22 people on board to get to the trailhead, um, which they didn't realize was closed way back in 2019. Now it was closed due to erosion and damage from overuse. And uh, there was multiple warning signs and fines for hikers who chose to proceed. According to a local TV station, the club had already uh, were already at the trailhead uh, by the time they realised it was closed. Sounds like us with Green Gully, mate. Um, yes, well, actually, I was going to talk more about our last 
podcast and hike. Uh, anyway, they, they, as a group, I guess, opted to hike it anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, um, they, they're not the only ones to, to do it. There's plenty of other people that they've given over a hundred warnings to hikers caught on the trail. Mm. Uh, and, and just over the past 30 years, 12 people have lost their lives in that general area. And injuries and rescues are not uncommon due to the steep terrain, slippery conditions. So, what I wanted to say about that is a couple of things. Firstly, we talked about on our last podcast that we were hiking on a closed trail. And we we said that. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, We can't undo that. I want to make a couple of things clear. First of all, the trail we were on was uh, closed due to, first of all, some large trees crossing the road where you approach the trailhead. So you physically can't drive down to the trailhead. So that's one reason. Now, um, we stepped around those trees. Okay, so we weren't putting ourselves in any great danger. The other thing is the reason why the the trail is closed is, as we found out, um, there was some damage to a small, very, very small bridge, footbridge that goes across, and then many other trees down across the trail. So we're talking about something I consider, and this sounds like me justifying myself, but I consider to be quite different from large scale erosion uh in steep terrain which which is this article yeah we sure. were not on steep terrain no exposed it's not sections at all n- no it's it was flat ground with trees that we had to climb over or walk around um the bridge that had been washed away from a flood is i'd argue knee deep water at best Yep. The stream it goes over and it was hardly flowing. So just to be very clear, I think there's, uh, again, I'm not trying to justify what we did, but I could have not even spoken about this article. I could have not even raised this. Like, mm-hmm. To me, it's not huge news or super interesting. The reason I did raise this is because I think uh, that as experienced hikers that we are, experience in that specific area that exact area yeah i think that we assessed every single obstacle one by one as we proceeded and we agreed to take oh do we go around this tree or do we call it quits no we'll go around keep going oh we got to the bridge and it's washed away what do we do uh look i'm happy to keep going we this is an area where we frequently go off trail which is 100% legal uh, in in the national parks, we frequently go off trail to get a little secluded spot, which we did to record. So <clears throat> in essence, we would have gone off trail anyway. We don't necessarily require the trail to get to where we did. Uh, but the, the point I wanted to make as well is the reason we're sitting in a studio today is we assessed today's potential hike and deemed it too dangerous to proceed and so we definitely most definitely are assessing things 
with all group members in our case it's two people and that is we deemed it too dangerous to go to areas where there was um, flooding across roads but also our plan was um, we would have been crossing a minimum of two creek crossings today on the actual hike and I just think that yeah we both agreed that it during the conditions at the moment yeah the conditions just, are pretty hectic so it came out of the question <clears throat> so I think um no th- I, now I, look the other thing is this is a big hiking group and I don't want to go putting any labels on these guys but um <clears throat> I think when you get bigger hiking groups you're probably more susceptible to a wider range of skills so the person who's turned up this sounds great i've only been hiking once yeah i want to do this or the long-standing club member who's been with them for 15 years and they're leading the group and says it's easy yeah or or whatnot so you know there's there's obviously experience there i think use your brain there was a point this week and you brought it up earlier craig where we said we're going no matter what and i said that to you all gung-ho we're doing it we're going we're doing it and i wasn't going to pull out because i don't like pulling out of hikes just because of rain sure i do enjoy whilst it it is a harder slog and i'll be brutally honest with you i was looking for a lazy hike this week yeah. Oh, we had a short distance planned, yep. two nights in the one location so we didn't have to move and set up again. Yeah, it's going to be good. It was going to be a lazy hike because we planned it that way. We wanted to record this podcast, mm-hmm. sitting around, swimming in the river, um, making good food, good coffee. Yeah, sure, sure. Co- coffee and uh, just chilling out, right? But we, we had to put our egos aside. Uh, over the last sort of 12 hours and say is it like, really is it sensible and I we might have been fine but I just think we made the right call mm. and it's a very very rare for us to to not go hiking because of rain but I see this as something different and yeah I see that headline and you you're right <clears> that <throat> we may have mentioned that we went through a closed trail last no week. I, I 100% did I know I did yeah. We, we discussed it. I said this this trail was closed, and we. So yeah. um, it's easy for us to say, but it wasn't a, ch- a challenging, difficult exactly um, route or whatever. But yeah, I guess that needs a bit of clarification. Mm. I, I I can I can say we were we were well confident with that little adventure. Well, well, the, well, the thing is, uh, we went to two locations on the same day. Right? Sure, we did. So yeah. later on in the day, um, we went to another location where it doesn't even have a trail. Yeah, sure. and, and this is what we were kind of joking about in the last podcast is when we did that Stinson hike, it mm. was, wow. Like that so, thing would have been closed 50 times over. Yeah. Like it was full on. Yeah. Like it was so unbelievably harsh uh, in comparison. So yeah, the, the second half of that same day last week or a couple of weeks back is mm. we went off trail. There wasn't even a trail. We walked up the creek for a bit and yeah. then we walked along the bank and... Um, what we did do, which was pretty epic, was collect some uh, bunion nuts. Oh, I've got some pictures we, of that. Yeah, I meant to ask you that. We should put one up, yeah. um, one or two up. They were delicious. So we did find, uh, stumble across some bunion nuts. Bunion like, nuts. We could have got a thousand if we wanted. Yeah, so many. 
and we um, fried them up in a in a saucepan and um, or whatever you call it, fry pan. Fry pan and, with a bit of um, but it, what did we use a bit of ghee and and <laughs> and I said to you, um, or oh, you know what I've got in my pack, and you said salt. Because he knew that I would have had salt for leeches. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just turned around so... straight away. And just, I said, I know what I can use out of my pack. And you said salt. salt. <laughs> so I went into my first aid kit and pulled out this Ziploc bag of Which salt. Which I should have borrowed that day. Which yeah. you should have borrowed earlier. But then yeah. we wouldn't have had as much for the bunya nuts. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we roasted them up and they were fantastic. Craig's first try. Yeah. And... Uh, I got um, spruiked after that that perhaps they are considered poisonous in some Man, circles. So many people have, have said, said that. that. They're mixing up. Then I went and researched. There's no, 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 no mention no, no, of it no, anywhere. No. They're, no. It's, they've got it mixed up with something okay, else. Okay, something else. I literally said to my neighbours and my neighbours' neighbours in conversation that, oh, yeah, we got a whole bunch Aren't they poisonous? Yeah, don't Why you, does everyone keep saying are they poisonous? Someone said, don't They're you have to poisonous. soak them for hours? No, that's and I a said, different no, you thing, don't. man. So cool. Yeah, I loved it. For I example, actually, like a... This was before I knew that they could yeah, be poisonous. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, which is obviously <laughs> made plenty. it more enjoyable for his last meal. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a thing called a Malabar chestnut, which I grow on my property. I've got about five of them and they have a massive seed pod and it's really fascinating because it'll sit there for two months and then all of a sudden it bursts open and it shoots these things all right all over. like it deliberately tries to like it's spring loaded yeah, tries pop, to spread yeah, them yeah. yeah and uh so we look out for them when they're getting close and we either even if we pick them early we take them inside we have to put them in a bag or else they'll just explode all over the kitchen like on the ground and stuff yeah, yeah. uh but those things have mild mild um toxicity or something. yeah and yeah. some people talk about them they're a rainforest tree and um there's various ways to kind of deal with that okay we don't eat a large amount of them we've just roasted a couple but in my opinion the Bunyan nuts are oh, four, four times, five times bigger mm. and easier to deal with and tastier anyway. So it's a no, I, no brainer. I remember looking at my swollen ankle three days later and thinking it was bunyan nuts. It, it, <laughs> oh, I've got the bunya fever. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. No, that was good. I was impressed. I, um, I, easy to easy to prepare and just so yummy. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, if you were going to get stuck out. In that area, you'd be right. I, I took my kids there literally the week before we went there, and both of my two eldest boys were saying, "Oh, I could live here for a month, like <laughs> just off those nuts and the stream water." Yeah, <laughs> I said you probably could, probably could. Uh, I'll leave that one there. I'll leave that one there. But I just wanted to revisit that and um, be very clear that when we. If we make off-the-cuff comments about, oh, we went down, we went off trail, or we went down a closed trail, we're not saying that to sound cool or boost our egos or whatever. It's absolutely not that. It's that we've assessed the terrain, we know the areas, and we've moved carefully within them. It's yeah. as simple as that. Well said, mate. I get it. Which is why we are not hiking up that river today. Yeah, true. 
all speaking from one deadly thing to another, in Australia, you are likely to mm, get attacked, killed, poisoned, bitten by a lot of things, or at least that's a perception around the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's very true with the Urukanji, yeah. which is a very, very, very small box jellyfish. Very small. No, it's not the box jellyfish, is it? Yeah, it's the same. Is it the same? Did they rename it because of the, uh, I think it's named after the indigenous yeah, the people who used to frequent that area and, and fish in those areas. I believe it's the same thing. Um, I'm going to just check that because I don't, I think I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, but I don't want to misinform our... Or they might be slightly different, but they very, very much the same tiny little jellyfish. Yeah, it it doesn't actually, yeah, there's no mention of um, the box jellyfish being the Irikanji. There's other names for it, but not that. So, really? Yeah, I'm a little bit reluctant to say it's the same thing. And physically, the box jellyfish is is large. If you look at it, if you look at a irukandji, that's a box jellyfish. And if you look at an irukandji, much smaller head and longer. It's teeny. Yeah. Look, like this, they're as big as your thumb, and they will drop you dead. All right. Okay. Um, let me let me just elaborate on on the uh, toxicity because that's always fun. Uh, they only sort of are, are, are around in certain parts of the year, um, from my understanding, and then they don't really come as, as far south as where we live. They seem to like the warmer tropical waters. So um, we I've been stung by other types of jellyfish, but not. Irukandji, obviously, I'm here to talk about it. So, <laughs> um, that's a pretty interesting article, actually, because the first line says it could have sprung from the fertile imagination of a sci fi horror writer. Uh, it looks deceptively insignificant and benign, which is true because it's small, but uh, each tentacle has a minuscule harpoon like venom loaded stinging cell. Um, the bell, which is the, the dome part, is also armed with these toxic weapons. As many as, Craig, how many, how many barbs, how many toxic barbs per square centimetre? One centimetre by one centimetre. On the tentacles? No, 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 on, on the actual, the dome as well is toxic. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think that's probably what differs from a box jellyfish as well. Have a guess how many barbs per square centimeter? <clears throat> Guessing hundreds, I don't know. Five thousand. Yeah, really. Five thousand tiny toxic barbs stings. per square centimeter. An encounter with an irukandji can have an adult human soon fighting for their life. Two point five centimeters wide. See, that's the vastly different to a box jellyfish. I think which you'll find. Uh, um, age and growth. Oh no, they're still small. Oh no, they can get six inches. Anyway, we're talking about the Irukandji. Let's stay <coughs> on the topic here. 
<clears throat> yeah, it is named after the traditional um, fishes of that area. Yeah. Where where it's kind of prevalent, I guess. <clears throat> anyway, uh, the this article is that they've successfully hatched Irukandji eggs, and I thought, why would you want to do that? <laughs> yeah. There's been a twenty year um, in the making project. They haven't been able to do it in. They haven't been able to get them to reproduce in, out of the wild, is what I'm trying to say. In captivity is the word for it. But they have now. There's a, <clears throat> a guy studying this, one of the scientists, who says he's been stung 11 times so far. <clears throat> and he says, I, I've experienced the pain of the Irukandji sting many times. It's not something I've... I'm proud of, and it's 11 mistakes I wish I hadn't oh, made. <laughs> yeah, right. He said, on a more positive note, at least I'm intimately familiar with the incredible pain and discomfort that victims can suffer, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. <clears throat> what a nice guy. There's only been two recorded deaths, which really surprises me. I thought that um, thought that there was more, but it, it does create complications with people that's for sure and i guess these days we we're able to get the yeah. treatment uh, more effective treatment sooner um which is probably helps that it's scary stuff <clears throat> but yeah it's it's really quite interesting i'm, I'm not going to go into the all the scientific <clears throat> part of it i just thought it it was probably interesting just to talk about the jellyfish itself. Talk about how painful it is. And I've heard it referred to also with the stonefish that we have in our waters that you can step on and they've got toxins yes. that can hurt so bad, apparently. I knew like, I knew a guy who stood on one. Did you? Yeah, yeah. And he, he I mean... How long did he live for? He's, well, he's still alive. He said that it was definitely, I mean, he's an adult. And he said, "That's there's really, nothing that comes close really to what bad. I felt." Yeah. He um. Yeah. And you see them around. I saw one at um, the jetty once. We were um. Yeah. Putting either putting our boat in our family boat or getting the boat out, and to the side was just one in the water there. Yeah, They're can. not hard to find. They can. Yeah, they are around. And I think um. Do not touch. As with. Uh, which is another quite popular thing in those sorts of marshy waters. Well, not marshy, that's not the right word. Mangrove flats are what we would call them in Australia. Murky kind of muddy <clears throat> waters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also the stingrays. Yeah, yeah. Which are much, much, much less um, dangerous despite uh, what people would have now labelled them with after the Steve Irwin incident. Um but still, uh, a good tip is to shuffle your feet mm -hmm. because the spikes of the stonefish are on top. A lot of people walk through the you water and lift their feet and step down. On it, yeah. Whereas if you shuffled your feet, it's not going to try and spin around and attack you. It's not going to do that. It's mm -hmm. purely circumstantial. You step on it, you get the barb and you get poisoned. If you're shuffling your feet through murky water and you bump it, it takes off. You get spooked because you touch something squirmy, and that's you'll never know anything more, you know. Yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> shuffle your feet, girls and boys. Shuffle it. 
don't go doing the moonwalk or something. Just do the shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> they're using it. The, this article goes way into scientific stuff. Like I said, I'm not going to go into that. But they're obviously using this to learn how to treat them and, and various other things. I'll move on. I'll move on to something less um, dangerous. Or it could be dangerous if you choose the wrong one. I found an article on the 10 best sleeping pads for backpackers. And <clears throat> it's on backpacker.com. One would think they know what they're talking about. It's very recent, so only a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And what I thought they did well in this article was they kind of, uh, they don't seem to be affiliated with any particular brands or else I wouldn't have even mentioned it to our listeners, but I will put the link in the show notes because I think it's just worth, if you're, if you're on the lookout for a new sleeping pad at the moment, maybe it's worth just reading this article. I thought, I thought it was quite good. They explained things like the R value which is the rating value for um, insulation. Yeah, insulation, that's right. So that's right. how warm it's going to keep yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, and that, that varies. Um, and it, depending on where you live and your conditions <clears throat> and the setup you use, so hammock versus tent, for example, uh, you, you can make the decision based on, on that. It talks about foam and inflatable explains that as well but then it goes into the actual uh pads themselves and it's kind of broken them up into the lightest sleeping pad and it'll list that um but throughout that it will also uh, quite often mention the ones that were almost the lightest but still really good so what I thought was cool was you could say, well, I don't care about weight. I want the warmest. So you could then go down and find, um, for example, the next heading is the toughest. So oh, I need something rugged. I don't care if it's light or warm. I just need it to be the toughest. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. guess you can kind of work out what sort of thing you're looking for. There's the best bargain. Obviously, that's the best price for bang for buck. Um, <clears throat> the best inflating self-inflating rather um the most comfortable you know that could be a because you do have to break down a lot of your well that's opinions. what this that's what this article made me think was it's not just yeah, yeah. it's almost like a backpack in that you've got oh. a, a lot of things to think about and yeah, anything, i think they've really. done a good job of quite fairly at least at least making you consider just think about, oh, maybe that's something I should, should consider. Yeah. How heavy it is, what the R rating value is, um, how rugged it is, how big it is. That's another one too. When we started hiking, I had, a, we both, from memory, had a three-quarter length. Yeah. Thinking that's weight saving, which it is. Smaller. And... Um, <clears throat> with a low R value, which didn't really worry us back then because we were sleeping on the ground. Um. What I soon got sick of was, especially when I was in colder regions, from my knees down would be on the ground, freezing cold. Some people shove their legs in their empty backpack, but long story, 
I don't like having my backpack empty in case there's a damn fire in the night and I have to run. <laughs> Which, if you've ever listened to our very, very first podcast, you'll know what I'm talking about there. So there is a better way than three-quarter lengths in some... Yeah, you know. and I mean, that comes down to are you ultralight, are you not? Mm-hmm. What's your version of ultralight? Um, how many days are you going out? Do you care? Do you sleep on the ground? doesn't matter. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, what I thought was cool was that um, the Zambivi mattress got a mention. I was wondering if it did. Yeah. I thought it was great. It's for the lightest winter um, Just the mattress, mattress or the sleeping system? No, just... no. This is just mattresses. There's okay. nothing to do with the sleeping bag. Um, so you can purchase the Zambivi light winter mattress completely separate of yep. the system and just use it as you normally would. Yeah. Oh, that's good that it's rated. <clears throat> yeah, I thought that was cool because I was scrolling through thinking, now, is this a fair... Like, have they thought about every single system and every single mat? And when I saw that, I thought, the Zen is a pretty obscure thing. And uh, to see that included means... T- tells me that they've definitely done some research and not just put in... Um, um, put in Cedar Summit and Exped and all those big, yeah. big brands, you know? Yeah, for sure. Craig, we know that our listeners get themselves into all kinds of wild adventures. Uh-huh. Camping, hiking, fishing, canoeing, rock climbing. The list is pretty much endless. Right. We also know that they don't mind taking a little reward for themselves. We know that too. Yeah. So I'm talking to all our whiskey drinking adventurers out there when I say that if you're looking to try something different on your next outdoor pursuit, then Yukon Jack might just be what you're looking for. Yeah, it's got that smooth whiskey flavor you're familiar with, but it's also got the buzz of a 100 proof shot. It's also available in five bold flavors and as rugged as your next adventure. Yukon Jack, it's rugged, untamed and fearless just like the people who drink it. Now, do you know, Craig, another place that you might need to use a very highly rated uh, sleeping pad? Oh, this um, is a pathetic segue, by the way. That's what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> You've done a good segue by the sound of it. Um, I'm, I'm going to say Tasmania. It's very or, cold. Very cold. Even, even crazier, Everest, Mount Everest. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, basically, you need a full-size mattress from your bedroom. Yeah. I would say <laughs> that's what I would take up there. That is what you took, isn't it? I mean, you're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this one's an interesting one. Uh, it goes, have you heard about the Everest Summit lawsuit? Um, oh, I'm not sure. It, it goes back to 2019. Not not the story. The story's quite recent, but it started in 2019. When um, a well-respected Everest guide, Garrett Madison, called off a bid to summit the mountain when a Serac, I believe it's pronounced Serac, Serac, I had to Google it. It's a block 
of ice or a column of glacial ice. So when a Serac was, he was concerned with, loomed dangerously over the route to the top. So if you're not familiar with Everest, and I certainly wasn't until I started reading a few books on it and I watched the documentary on it, is, for example, the Coomba Icefall at the start, ice flow, ice falls, ice flow, is constantly moving. It never stops moving. It's like a giant waterfall except their house sizes house size chunks of ice yeah yeah that in slow motion roll down the hill all day and all not so much all night because right. it's so cold that they slow down right because if, this if you were to put a slow motion <laughs> not a slow motion a time lapse on the ice fall right it would look like it was just constantly rolling down. Moving around because it's not Moving difficult. Around. Not difficult enough. It's not. No, it's not <laughs> difficult enough. Um, and that, that's why uh, a lot of the ropes come down and break and the ladders that go across those crevasses, they have to constantly upgrade and move those because the, um, the, the crevasse might get closer together and further apart. Like Serious. Anyway, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but the, if you don't know much about Everest, that's how crazy it is it's not it's not like a rock mountain where you just go oh there's a trail and oh and there's a bit of snow that's okay it's some of it is you're just moving on glacial chunks of ice so back to the article garrett has decided that um he's called off their their summit um uh bid because he's seen this and it's it's He's worried for his clients that it's going to move and um, yeah, basically kill someone or all of them. So he's got safety in mind <clears throat> and he calls it off. Um, now, if another thing you might not know about Everest stuff is, first of all, you're probably looking at a minimum of a year training, probably two, maybe even up to five years to get yourself I'd say an average of two to three yeah. to get yourself from a fit mountain climber hiker to actually ready to hit um, Everest. So it's a long journey, a long personal journey. Okay, I believe that, yeah. And, um, you know, we've spoken about it in previous podcasts where I reviewed uh, a book by Beckweathers who was uh, stuck up on Everest. And he was hitting the gym twice a day, seven days a week. At 4 a.m. in the morning before work, going to work all day, hitting the gym afterwards just to get that, you know, the CO2, um, just get all of that stuff up. One of the reasons I'm not going to attempt. <clears throat> just just one? <laughs> <laughs> that's a many. Uh, yeah, so I need to, that's another bit of context if you don't know much about Everest. And it's very, very expensive to be a part of one of these expeditions. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because everything is supplied food accommodation um even some of the equipment and then it's a long way to travel for for people anyway this one of the clients tried to uh, he became upset that the expedition was cancelled and tried to sue um this guy for a hundred thousand dollars breach of contract now what makes this interesting is because he complained about other things too. He said that 
Um, you know, one of the other people in the party was exhausted and that's not his fault. And the Sherpas were lazy and he's tried to kind of suggest that there was other things besides this massive chunk of ice that may have caused it. Yeah, right. Now, the problem with this lawsuit is that if, um, if the client had have won, Tell me what you think about this. If the client had a won, that would have scared, not only would it have scared some outfits, outfitters rather from ever leading again, mm-hmm. like some expedition places may choose to shut down because they do not want to get sued for not getting to the top. If you look at the yeah. success rate of people that get to the top of Everest versus the people that start at base camp but it's not it's not 100% it's not 99% it's not 90% it's tough like you could go to and people have gone multiple multiple times and not gone to the summit summit yeah that's just normal that's what it is and for this guy to get upset about that had he been successful it would have crushed yeah. that industry because no you can't just then, spit, spit the dummy every time so it doesn't that's go your right. way the next person would come along yeah. and say oh we didn't get to the summit well i want my money back plus damages yeah, this right. guy was trying to say that he you know wanted that plus thirty thousand dollars of um damages as well it's um so anyway the good news is that um he, he didn't win um, the, the, the guy suing didn't win. And even the Madison, so the guy in question says, in question, is that right? That's not really the right term. He was never in question. He says that, uh, he and other guides feel, uh, feared that, uh, if a scientist, man, what's wrong with my, (laughs) let me have a glass of water and start all of this again. Yeah, the guy in question, who was never in question. Who was never in question. He and other guides feared that if clients could sue when the trips were called off because of perceived danger, and very real danger, Hmm. then it would lead to more death on the mountain because clients would fear for their financial security and therefore they would push harder to get to the summit, even if someone was sick yeah. or uh, there was some danger on the trail. They would push, push, push because they don't want to get sued. Wouldn't it have been locked into a contract at the start? It was. And that's one of the things that um, saved him. And it says that in the extended article is yeah. that he signed disclaimers saying that there's, there's no guarantee no you're getting guarantee. to the top. Yeah, cool, and cool. safety of the group is becomes more than safety of the individual. Right. So, uh, But he pushed the point and he didn't get he, anywhere. He pushed the point and, I mean, for it to drag on from 2019 up until, I think it was the start of this year, um, just a few months back that it got uh, canned. Yes, so late, late last year, I guess, was when uh, he finally, Garrett Madison, the guy who was getting sued, finally won and uh, didn't have to pay any damages. Mm. That's ongoing, you know, like... Yeah, geez. So it's a big win for the all of those kind of mountain guides. And and let's not just look at 
uh, Everest. Let's look at, let's take it wider, like even just a hiking guide. Mm. Um, there might have been a, a hike planned today with a group of paying participants and they get down um, to the hike and the, the trail's closed, you know. Let's revisit the conversation from earlier today. The yeah. trail's closed. Yeah. They're a hiking club or someone's paid money. Oh, you were meant to take me hiking there. Oh, okay, we'll, we'll just go. And then something happens and it's just going to... No, it poses yeah. a few questions, but yeah, those acts oh. of God and those sort of, you know, contingency plans, you have to yeah probably account for them in a contract at the start, I suppose. Mm. So uh, anyway, it's... It's good news for, I yeah, guess, everybody involved. Oh, cool. Thanks. Hey, do you want to hear about some more um, dangerous Australian stuff? Always. Yeah. Well, they're not really dangerous. That That's silly of me to say that because I'm feeding into um, media stupidity here. But they've started a program, I guess, a, is one way of putting it, where they're putting... Um, collars on dingoes uh, dingoes is i was going to say a native australian dog but it depends how far you want to go back in history to say that they're native uh, technically they're not native they're introduced from uh, sort of the indonesia that area but a long 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 time ago yeah uh, but they didn't originate on this continent oh, okay. so yep. uh, they traveled down with with um with people exploring a long time ago in, I'm talking about wooden boats with paddles. Yeah, yeah. And that's how they first got here. Yeah. At least that's... Um, the genuine... The, the assumption. Dingo. So, um, but we, we kind of now ad adopt them as, as an Australian native yep. because they've been here for a long time. So anyway, that, that's what a dingo is. It's a, a medium-sized... Um, canine, I'd say closer to a coyote than a, definitely not the size of a, a wolf, uh, and nowhere near as aggressive, um, more skittish, you can scare them off, they're less likely to, the only reason they're coming to check you out is they're inquisitive to see if any food's been left, they're not coming to attack you, uh, but what happens when there's a, as a, quite a famous, uh, I think the largest sand island in the world, is it not, Fraser? Yeah, it is. Fraser Island? Yeah, That's largest sand, sand island in the world. Um, they've got um, what is actually a very, very, very pure um, colony because it's not attached to the mainland. Right. What's happening with the mainland dingoes is they're breeding with wild dogs. That's right. And so they're... The percentage of pure dingo through DNA is is declining. But what's fantastic about Fraser Island is that they're pure as the day they mm -hmm. got there. It's absolutely fantastic. They're amazing. Uh, that that's not what I want to talk to you about, but it's just a cool fact because if you look at um, a, a picture of some mainland dingoes, if you really look at um, some scientific data, that they vary. That that what they look like. Mm -hmm. and it will shock you if you had to do like a blind test and go, what about this dog? How much percentage is that? You'd say, oh, that's that's 2% dingo. Yeah, right. It turns out that DNA-wise, DNA it's like 99%. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating. That, But 
if you look at the dingoes on Fraser, they're the quintessential. That's it. That's what a dingo looks like. Yeah, yeah. And they're beautiful. They're really cool. Anyway, there's an ongoing problem on Fraser Island, and it's it's because there's a lot of tourists go there. A lot of a lot of uh, backpackers, people like that, who when I say backpackers in Australia, we kind of mean like the. I'm not talking about people who go backpacking. Travelers, tra- I'm talking about travelers, tourists. yeah, like who stay in backpacking uh, hostels and accommodation and yeah. that sort of person. So they sign up for these tours where they jump on this big old four-wheel drive bus and they get driven up. They go across on a ferry, they drive up the beach, they stay there for a couple of nights, they swim in the crystal clear waters of this particular lake. What's it called? McDonald? Is that the one? Uh, lake Mackenzie. Mackenzie, sorry. Yep. Um, and they do all that. They tick all the boxes. I did this, 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 and this. Wow, I've done Fraser yeah, Island. It's a great place. Yeah. The problem is uh, they have no idea about um, these dingoes. And uh, like even a very, very close friend of mine uh, went up there on exactly the same type of tour. He was from the UK. And he... From memory, it was his his sleeping bag got um, dragged out of his tent and just ripped to shreds because they can just smell you on smell you on it. Yeah, yeah. And it don't you know? Just they're inquisitive. Like, what's in this? Why does this smell? And they'll rip it apart, try and look in to find it. It's the same thing they do um, for backpacks. So if you leave anything they around, look they, they look for food. They look for food. That's stuff. what they do. They're, they're scavenging. They, they open eskies and all sorts of fridges yeah. They're getting pretty. So pretty clever so uh it's an ongoing problem and there's a lot of people are saying oh you should have um feeding stations because they're not fed enough that's the problem you need a feeding station that automatically feeds them and or you drop you know food off meat there or whatever and they can eat and then they'll stop bothering everybody but that's been proven as 100 percent incorrect because uh what they've done is they've put um these dingo collars on, so they obviously... I didn't read how they caught them. I don't, I don't know if they're using uh, like something from a cool jungle movie where they use a like a tranquilizer dart. I, I'm assuming, like, funnily <laughs> enough, it's probably something like that because you wouldn't want to freak somehow. the... Oh, trap's probably the way to go. Yeah. But they would definitely um, freak out if cornered. So a- anyway, I'm sorry I don't have that information. Yeah. They're capturing the dingoes, putting a, a collar on, and it's got a camera on it. And every 15 minutes, it will record 30 seconds of video. All right. And what they're very quickly noticing is um, stealing, that they're catching these sneaky little buggers stealing from campsites, stealing from taking bags and yeah, of course. from carelessness. They're doing exactly what we just discussed. Yeah. But what they've also discovered is that, um, and obviously, I mean, I don't need to educate our listeners. It's the same as 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 uh, bears in um, yeah. in the U.S. If yeah. you if a bear gets a taste for um, for Twinkies and knows that every time it rips a backpack open and gets a Twinkie, then what's going to happen? The next backpack they see may have a human attached to it and it's going to create problems, right? Yeah, okay. But that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, people, sure. people are getting attacked and they're demonstrating 
some of their nature, which is not their typical nature, but they're starting to get too bold and brave. Because as I said earlier, we've, we've encountered them and they're quite skittish, but uh, they're becoming more bold in their... What, what did she... Uh, she referred to it as um, old dominance testing. That's the word they use there. So which leads up to biting if it's not managed. And the last thing you want to do is after euthanize a, a dog, uh, not a dog, a dingo, for these silly reasons. Yeah. Back to the point. <clears throat> what they found is two things they found. One is there's not not only are they capturing video of them stealing stuff from careless campers also of people feeding them oh, really? also of residents so there's people that live there residents yeah they're going to the same houses and they're getting oh. food at the same houses oh, every day really so they're able to go and approach these people and say either one or two things hey you keep leaving your garbage out it gets taken every single day haven't you noticed or b we've got footage of you feeding this thing because you think it's cool to have a the yeah. dingoes come around every day, so, uh, which is cool. So, I mean, without this sort of technology, you're not going to... I mean, how long have these right. been a problem? They've oh, been a problem since we been going up were kids. I was a right? kid and... So, there's been a problem fences for, so, up. Remember they did that? They've still oh, got the fences, yeah, I'm so... I'm not actually familiar with that, but yeah, oh, yeah. I, I vaguely remember that. So, the whole of um, Orchid Beach... Oh, not Orchid Beach, sorry. The um, one across from Harvey Bay... <laughs> Where uh, Kingfisher Bay Resort. Oh, okay. That's fully fenced. Oh, is that right? Yeah, no, oh, okay. no dingoes inside a fence. However, I believe they break through. They've had lots of issues with it. It doesn't work yeah, as well as you think. That, yeah, because they know that if they get so, in, they're going to get snacks. So, what's the new theory about feeding areas? Are they going to do that? No, because this is the next part of what they've learned is, um, oh, we need. They're saying um, people still say that they need feeding stations that that we need to save them, but. In this footage, and you can see it in the video, they, they have, sorry, my screen just turned off for a second there. Uh, they have turtles, whales, dugongs, which is another kind of, oh, I don't know how you would describe a dugong, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like a, a me, what's the other? Big a sea man, cow. Mena, sea Menowa, cow. Menowa, I think there's another thing oh, um, right. in... Um, Oh, this is really off topic now. In uh, the States or, or something, I'm sure that up those I like kind of Everglades and stuff, they have these weird dugong-like yeah. creatures, very gentle, placid things. They look they like eat a kelp. dolphin or a porpoise when they're swimming, oh, but they're yeah, much... But you look at them like and they're a like a... They're yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're not pretty, but they're really cool. We've yeah. had them come up next to our boat when I was a kid when we were fishing and um, fascinating. But anyway, these wash up on the uh on on the beach bandicoots wallabies kangaroos they have so much food they do not need to come in townships they're putting themselves in danger the thing this video is exposed is there's footage of them eating tons of stuff on the beach like things that are washed up carcasses like yeah. they're getting fresh right. meat they're getting uh you know heavy um, cal caloric intake from the, uh, even in this article she says literally um, the other day that an entire whale washed up on the beach and the dingoes are going down 
and just just smash it. Mm, and you mm. think of the the fats and oils and the, and the protein and everything. <clears throat> they're getting this stuff. It's they'll, there. They'll still be curious. They'll still be curious, but even if you I feed think, them a lot, I think the great thing about the um, the cameras is you can nullify yeah. some of these these silly conversations like, oh, there's not enough food for them to eat naturally in the wild. Oh. Wrong, wrong. So you're linking to... 100% wrong. Yeah, yeah. So you're linking to some footage there off the Yeah, cameras. there's footage in the article, yeah. Cool. Uh, and you just see him cruising along. You see him getting like enticed by some oh, wow. some people. Yeah, like... Uh, you see him sneaking and stealing stuff. They've, yeah. they've obviously clipped together a few different things. And you see him... Um, eating stuff off the beach. And then there's a couple of really cool shots where, because I think it's just hangs just under their jaw and and points out. So sometimes you see the bottom of their jaw, like it's oh, yeah. point of view. Yeah. And in a couple of cool shots, you'll see their buddy just standing there, like looking off into the distance, one of the pack yeah, with right. them, yeah. uh, just hanging out. And it's, it's cool. I like things like that. Um, we've talked a few times on the podcast about cool little, remember that, that trail cam, or no, it wasn't a trail cam, it was a real camera that was set up, that one log that crossed the stream, and All this right. guy yep. set up this camera for a year, yep. and he would get um, these these animals going back and forth, I think that sort of stuff's cool, uh, and for them to use it uh, scientifically as well is a bit of a bonus good stuff yeah it's interesting they've been talking about you know unfortunately having to cull some numbers it's been a big problem uh, yeah. they, they unfortunately uh, do nip and bite people mm. um, I think my cousin actually was bitten what a while back um, I think you might have told bite me on his upper leg yeah and they react when you run if you try and yes, run away yes that's true too especially um, like they, kids kids they chase yeah. you which is, is the first instinct. Is, and that's, yeah, that's, and where, that's where the big danger is. The trouble is, starts, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you, let's jump to a mystery. I want to finish the news with a mystery. Okay, cool. The so, Min Min mystery. Have you ever heard of that? Um, only on Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. This is a, well, wait till the end where they rip the mask off. and yes. <laughs> I would have got away with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> That's so it. the <laughs> mysterious, the mysterious Min Min lights appear after dark. Weirdly, when you approach them, yep. they always retreat. Tell me more about Is that like... They were first noted yeah, near the now this. abandoned Western Queensland settlement of Min Min. And they, they sort Spooky. of... Come down near accounts vehicles? Of, accounts of... Alien-like encounters from people in cars. Is that? Where uh, it... Yeah, no, and and just you can just be at your campsite. People have seen them. Really? So yeah, very, very spooky. Uh, a lot of people have. It's freaked a lot of people out Min -min for a, okay. a long time. All right. Um, it, it, it's a it's a cool story, but I'm just going to sc scroll to the uh, article here. It's a cool story, but Sadly, um, it's been solved. Okay. If you like mysteries, if you like conspiracy theories, you, you're not going to like the outcome of this story. But if you love science and if you're interested in uh, naturally occurring phenomenons, you're going to love this story. Okay. So, 
a typical, I'm reading straight from the article here, a typical Min Min light is circular, about a quarter of the size of a full moon, has fuzzy moving edges like a buzzing bee swarm. The Min Min lights are usually white, but can be green, yellow, red, and sometimes rarely blue. The fuzzy orbs can dance around erratically, left to right, up and down, back and forth. And occasionally a single Min Min light can suddenly split into two separate lights. Now, just from that description there, just from that description, you can see how easily that turns into an alien encounter. Oh, like yeah. It ticks all the boxes, man. If yeah. you said, hey, we need to make a scene in a movie with some lights, what are you going to do? Oh, it's going to, it's going to go erratic and then it's going to split into two. Unexplained, man. That <laughs> yes. sounds, yeah, spooky. Anyway, what it turns out is uh, this guy called um, John Pettigrew is a professor, sorry, Professor Pettigrew. He's proved that as a layer of cold air sitting just above the ground, and I'm reading this because I'm not smart enough to explain it myself, between the distant light and the observer can trap light. This layer bends the light and keeps it close to the ground, so it can be seen over great distances. That is, can be seen on over greater distances than you would anticipate. For example, the headlights of a car, I'm not reading this by the way, I'm, I'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. it, the headlights of a car, even on the straightest road, you would only be able to see them for a certain amount. And certainly the further they got away, they would get physically smaller, right? Yep. Not only that, if you if you talk about a longer distance, then you start getting curvature of the earth or something obstructing them no, hang on, hang on. in there, the foreground. There, there is no curve in the earth, is there? Oh, yeah. No, about that. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Yeah right. Uh, so let me um, let me get back. So these these do not lose intensity, and right. that's that's what makes people freak out about them. But um, what was I up to? This layer of cold air can only can also concentrate the distant light and stop it from spreading, so it does not get weakened by extreme distance. So what? It's kind of like is, um, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the Batman symbol. Yeah. Yep. When you, of course, when you need Batman yeah. in Gotham City, it shines a light up on. It's always got the low lying cloud, right? Right. It's not shining the light out into the vast universe, or you'd never see the Batman light, would you? No. Huh. Uh, it's kind of like that in that, from between you. And the vehicle, now there was a distance here, 300 kilometers away. Oh. Okay, so uh, is that 180 miles? Yeah. Yeah, 180 miles away. There's no way you're going to see car headlights. That's absolutely ridiculous. On the straightest, flattest road, you will not see headlights. If you could miraculously see them, they'd be physically small and dim, would they not? Yeah, sure. So that that's what's happening is think about the... Uh, the Batman analogy. That, by the way, just so that people don't think Professor Pettigrew has used a ridiculous Batman analogy. He didn't. That was not. I made that up. <laughs> I thought it's the only way I can possibly 
explain yeah. it. So think about there's a car 300 kilometers away and there's you. You cannot see the headlights. But what's happening is in that layer of low-lying cold air, mm. the headlights are coming up, bouncing off that, mm. not losing their intensity. And as they say in the article, sometimes increasing the intensity. Mm-hmm. And then you're seeing it physically closer than 300 kilometers away. Okay. Does it split apart when the vehicle hits a kangaroo? Um, I think when the vehicle splits in two. So when the vehicle... An, a, a big well, it accident. It is Batman. <laughs> a big accident. Yes, it is Batman. <laughs> so when Batman transforms his vehicle, that's when you see it split in two. Oh. They did tests uh, and they were radioing each other, obviously because of the... the great distance they were saying okay now um turn the light on and they would turn it on and they go i see it i see it turn the light off oh it's gone (laughs) they're doing these scientific (laughs) tests and uh what was even um more interesting is the the light was the same color uh each time just i guess a standard white or um, if you want to say a yellowish light it's just a standard light but what the um the test subjects were seeing was everything from and changing from vivid red to orange yellow and then green so that's one uh, standard lamp is changing through those myriad of colors and obviously that's got something to do with the uh, i mean gases or the way it's refracting not unlike a rainbow the way it's refracting. Anyway. We, we could guess. We could talk, you know. Well, let me get Professor Pettigrew on the line. <laughs> Not very scientific. I'd rather a conspiracy. Professor Pettigrew, have you seen Batman? <laughs> <laughs> let me put this to you. <laughs> I know what's happening. Oh, let's do the, uh, let's do the, the Caribbean giveaway. Yeah, if, yeah. Do it now. Two things. One before I forget. And uh, go off on another tangent, and two, just because yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Okay. Let me go back to my notes. This will be a. It's an Instagram specific competition. And that's the way we're going to run it. Uh, but obviously, I'm letting you guys know on this podcast, so you can jump onto Instagram and check it out. What I'll do is I'll. Well, first of all, let me tell you about what, what the prize is. So you can win one of two Razor Bill 2, that's the name of the pack, uh, day packs. It's Let me read from straight from Caribbean's website because it's going to do a better job than I can. Caribbean's Razor Bill 2 is our 18-litre backpack that comes supplied with a premium 2-litre hydration, hydration reservoir. The larger pack capacity provides you with greater storage options for the excess gear whilst maintaining its primary hydration pack focus. Uh, it goes on to say that it's a slimline design, and I 100% agree with that. It's very similar to another pack of theirs that I own, but I've been testing this Razor Bill since well pre-Christmas, so I've taken on a few, quite a few hikes, and. It's great, super comfortable, and when you open up the front section, there's a labyrinth of epic pockets and mesh sections and this 
for your keys and this for your granola bar. Like it's it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good pack. As I said earlier in the podcast, their build quality is exceptional. So I have no problems recommending any of the gear for that, to be honest. So yeah, there's two Razor Bills up for grabs. There will be a post that will appear on Instagram in the very near future after this podcast la- podcast launches. What you need to do is... Now, you don't need to remember all of this, by the way. It'll be in the post. I'll explain it in the post. My screen keeps turning off, Craig, right mid-sentence. Uh, what you need to do is you need to like the post. You need to follow Hike or Die. My goodness, I hope you already do follow yeah. Hike or Die on Instagram. Uh, because that's the only way. Well, it's not the only way. You need to find. Uh, you need to follow Caribbee on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That'll obviously be in there. Comment on the post. Say whatever you want. Say something cool. Say something funny. Say, just give it a thumbs up. It doesn't matter. Also, tag two friends who you think could also benefit from a pack. Don't worry, they're not going to win your pack because if you win, there's still another pack up for grabs. Okay. You're not doing yourself any disservice. Uh, Tag hike or die. Sorry, I already said tag hike or die. What I meant was use the hashtag hike or die because that's really cool. Hashtags are cool. Yep. Now you can get a bonus entry by chucking it on your Insta story and tagging I Could Die in Caribbean. When I post this, it will have the uh, competition closing date. I'm not going to say that now because, as we all know, post-production of this podcast, I don't know how many days that's going to take. So when the pod, uh, when the post comes up, you'll have all details there. And then I will announce the winner on Instagram shortly after I've collated all of the entries. That's cool. And I'll use a random number generator to get our two winners. And post the prizes out. Yeah, don't worry. If uh, this is not an Australia-only prize, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, I will post it to you. So jump in on that. Go check out the um, post and get in on that. Follow the rules. And sorry, rules sounds a bit harsh. Follow the uh, entry guidelines. The instructions. And the instructions, that's it. And we'll sort that out. That's really cool. That's exciting. There'll also be um, pictures so you can see what it looks like. Craig, um, <clears throat> it's the return of something in this podcast that a lot of people have probably been missing. What's that? That is books with Tom. <laughs> books with Tom. Now, the reason I, the reason I'm, I'm not just doing it in a full media thing is because uh, what I didn't have with me when we were hiking a couple of weeks back was any form of notes, so I didn't have the um, books and the authors really to kind of mm-hmm. I would I would have forgotten something, so I thought I'd wait until now with my notes in front of me. Uh, since um, December, I've read five books, mate. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been That's smashing pretty good. them. Yeah, I've been smashing them. Um, <clears throat> I read three of them just over the Christmas break. I couldn't get enough. The first one that 
I read was the Border Trilogy. The trilogy consists of three books because that's what trilogies do. The first one's All the Pretty Horses, the next one is The Crossing, and the third one is Cities of the Plain. I don't want to give anything away, but as you move through the trilogy, they do end up meeting up, joining up, becoming one is very cool. Now, the author is Cormac McCarthy. If that rings a bell, you may know some of the uh, films or even the books. The Road. Oh, yes. You know the film? I do. So good. Cried my eyes out three times through that movie. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Yep. So he wrote the book, which was then adapted into a film. So very... The thing about this, and I lent, I lent this book to my father and I said, look, this guy doesn't <clears throat> beat around the bush. Uh, he doesn't sugarcoat things. He doesn't Hollywood things. You know, like, mm-hmm. even the road, you, you watch the film... Uh, I've never read the book, to be honest, so I can't tell you if it's much different. Uh, and I have seen the film No Country for Old Men, and, and it's, it's brutal, and, and the good guys don't always win, and uh, it don't have the Hollywood endings. All these things mm-hmm. is very, very, very typical of his writing style, and it's what makes, um, <clears throat> it's what makes the trilogy so gripping and, and shocking. I, it, it shocks you at times. In one, I, I'm, I'm not going to, again, I'm not giving anything away. <clears throat> and I can't remember which book it was in, but there's one point where he's talking about his father, one of the characters, because there's m- multiple characters through the trilogy. One guy's talking about his father, and uh, he's, he's saying, oh, I, you know, he saw him in the morning, he's getting his horse out. They're, they're all cowboys, but I should have mentioned that. It's like, sort of set back um, around the turn of last century. Mm. Uh, and it moves through, the th- trilogy moves through sort of that pre- to post-war phase. Um, and also the revolution. So it goes through that real kind of US history with, with Mexico and that sort of stuff. Uh, super interesting, like super cowboy. Uh, but, but back to my point before I forget is he, he was talking about his father and he's, and, and then the, the author says, oh, he sees his father, he's getting on the horse. He's, and that was the last time he ever saw him. Yeah, like yeah. it's brutal. It, yeah. And then you left questioning what, 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 how, what's happening? <laughs> Where's he going? And this lingers in your head for the, the next two thirds of the book. Why? How? Is that the last time? Oh, is right. he going to die? Is his father going to die? Are they both going to... How is... And it sticks <laughs> with you and it grips you until finally that conversation resurfaces and it says, oh, that's what happened. Yeah. It, it, man, it's clever. Two things I'll say about the writing of the book. This, this would drive some people crazy. First thing is... uh. You know when you, there's a conversation in a book and uh, some books uh, lazily say, uh, you know, I went uh, I went to the shop yesterday, said John. Okay, there's that 
kind of laziness. Mm. But then other people will omit the, uh, John replied, they'll omit that kind of bit and they'll just have the, uh, is it is it inverted commas? The 66.99 thing? Yeah. So they'll have that. This guy has none of that. Like it doesn't exist. <laughs> so you'll get to a conversation which goes for two thirds of a page, sometimes a page and a half. And if you lose your train of thought, sometimes you've got to go back and work out the order of who said what. Because yeah. it'll just quite literally be like, how's things? Good. Where are you off to? Heading down the border. When do you think you'll be back? Like you, 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 the only way you know who's talking is because you know who started the conversation. Uh, the second thing I'll say, now this, this is, it, it's worth the heartache, guys, do it. Uh, the second thing I'll say is, if you don't know your, your Spanish, you're going to know your Spanish. I had to have my phone next to me, and at times translate line after line because oh, really yeah, yeah yeah he just goes into yeah. a full-blown conversation with no explanation so i'm there with my phone and i said to dad hey make sure you got your phone handy you're gonna need it mm. um, but by the end of it man you come out a pretty cool uh ling linguistically enlightened <laughs> yeah right. uh, yeah it's cool so uh what really resonates i think it's that Again, I'm not giving too much away here, but I think it's that boyhood dream of that kind of, that Tom Sawyer kind of a dream of packing everything on your back and, and going off into the wilderness for an extended period as a teen, as a young teen. Mm, like yeah. there's just that yeah, right. Huckleberry Finn, the Tom Sawyer, they're all that kind of, um, even another book, I, well, I guess it's different in a way, The Hatchet, um, uh, which I've spoken about before, is more of a survival thing. A young teenager gets stuck in the wild and he has to survive. But this is more about choosing to mm. to go out there. And But in the cowboy sense, they're doing it on horseback and they've got all their gear and um, they just get food along the way and they encounter good people, bad people, and it, it gets uh, pretty hectic. If you've ever seen or read the road or no country for old men you'll know what i mean about hectic and brutal yeah good oh. good stuff sounds good i read a book called pan by nut 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 k-n-u-t hampson his work has been likened to <clears throat> shakespeare not unlike cormac mccarthy in that he's very brutal and uh, let's just look at um, um, oh, Romeo and Juliet. You know the way it kind of uh, that it it, flip, it kind of flip flops between the oh no, he's found her. I'm going to get the order wrong here. He's found her dead. Oh no, this is terrible. He goes and does something terrible and commits suicide and then she was faking and she was took something to oh and it just and then she finds him dead and like it's mm. just what well, it, this is similar in uh it's a very odd story and uh even two-thirds of the way through the book i thought i don't know why they keep saying this guy's like shakespeare and it's not from shakespearean time they just likened him to that okay and then it drops and then all of a sudden you say, 
Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I see what you're saying. Uh, it's about a hunter that um, lives out in the woods. He's very awkward uh, in social situations. He kind of has a bit of a love for one particular lady in the village. Uh, she she kind of plays with him a little bit with his attention and he ends up um, finding another interest and I'm not, I'm not going to give anything away in case you do but then everything starts to wrap up. What's hilarious and I, I said to my dad when you read the so there's the story and it ends and then uh, there's this extra bit of what happened sort of 20 years in the future. Right. Uh, and it's absolutely ludicrous and <laughs> insane. That part alone was, uh, <laughs> again, brutal, ridiculous, interesting. Okay. Uh, it's not for everybody. I'll give you that. But boy, oh boy, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I reckon I'd like that one. I reckon that would be good. Yeah, I'll I'll flick you that one. It's not a big book. It's a it's not a big book at all. It's, you can fly through it, and uh, it's weird, weird. Um, the last book I read, well, not the last book in order, but the last one I want to talk about is Dark Emu. This was written by Bruce Pascoe. This was recommended in episode twenty-eight. By was Dwayne Bannon Harrison. Yeah, he right. gave us a list of five books. This was the last one of the five for me to get through. Yeah. And what I didn't realize at the time, I went back and listened to episode 28. And I picked up on a few things. This is really cool. I picked up on a couple of things. Firstly, uh, I was looking through the book. And as I got halfway through the book... Hmm. There's a picture of Dwayne, a photograph of Dwayne in the book. Yeah? Yeah. In, in full uh, indigenous, full indigenous, because he's from the Yuan people. And there's a picture of him with the Yuan people. Really? In their full indigenous, uh, what do you call it? An outfit? Not an outfit. What's a better word for outfit? Hmm. Tribal gear? I don't yeah. know. In the, in the paint and everything they, they do. I can't articulate it well enough, but... So there's a photo of him in there. And I take a photo of it and I text it to him, mm. uh, send him an SMS, say, is this you? He's like, yeah, I'm everywhere, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did not mention in the podcast. Right. Okay. So that's one point. I went back and listened. He didn't mention it. Right. He said to, he said to um, also, he didn't mention, and this is a testament to him uh, and his, um, he his lack of egoic mind is he did not mention he was in the book and he did not mention that he, the, he speaks of a guy throughout the podcast that he's traveling with. Cause remember we said, have you ever been to our area? And he said, yes, I'm familiar with your area. Went through there or something. Went through there. I saw the mountains yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, he really liked a place called Yamundi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, connected right. with some other uh, indigenous people in Yamundi, and he said he felt a real connection with that country. Okay. Yeah. He traveled with Bruce Pascoe. He says in the podcast he travels with Bruce Pascoe, but I didn't make the link. He's the guy who wrote like, the book. He's the guy who wrote the book. He's the author of the book. Okay. So. 
it was just the, the, putting everything together later and re-listening to the podcast. I yeah. went, oh. what? You didn't tell me that A, you're in the book and B, that you travel, did a road trip with the author. Like, it's epic. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I actually know a bit about that book, even though I haven't read it. So is that the one where they talk a little bit about the farming techniques of the Aboriginal? It's and... hugely about that. I mean, it's yeah. 99% about that. Yeah, and right. I mean, I could literally talk about this this book I could talk about for 30 minutes straight and yeah. I'm going to. No, I'm kidding. I'm not <laughs> going to. Do not turn off the podcast. I'm not going to. I'm going to try and keep it. I'm going to try and keep it to a couple of minutes. Here goes. It's the problem with Australian history, for want of a better term, is there's, there's something in that and they bring it up in the book. This is, this is going to be a tricky one to, to kind of um, dance around, but I'm, I'm going to try and not dance around. I'm going to just try and get to the point. In order to uh, come to Australia and claim the Australian land, there needed to be some, well, some of us or no evidence of uh, civilizations, in, intelligence, not the right word, I guess civilizations that had yeah. structure, that had permanent dwellings, that had agriculture, mm -hmm. that had all those things. If you, if they were seen to have that, it would have been a lot more difficult to justify taking the land. Sure, sure. So it's very, very interesting in that uh, we don't know about all these farming and fishing techniques. And, for example, the, the first time I ever in my entire life heard of permanent structures, clay permanent structures oh. that were built like dome houses that would accommodate anywhere from a dozen to, I think, something like 20 or 30 people. That's a big structure. Okay. And... Uh, the reason we would ne never heard of this is because, and also the the misconception that uh, Australian Indigenous people were nomadic, is because after we got here, I say we, I don't like saying we. After they got here, a couple of things happened. The biggest one was they ran cattle, sheep, and livestock across the lands. Mm -hmm. what happened there was the cattle and sheep and livestock were eating and mowing down existing crops. Yeah, right. What also happened was, and and if you're saying, oh, how does someone know all of this, that so they just made all of this up? There's countless, throughout the book, there is countless uh, segments of early explorer um, uh, diaries. What's another word for that? Like a log book, like a diary, a journal, like a journal. Entries, so they've, yeah, yeah they've yeah, got these yeah. journal entries yeah. from these people who weren't necessarily that famous, but they were sent on these missions to take, um, take these cattle downstream and try and find suitable land, and they'd, they'd walk into these established villages of hundreds and hundreds of people in one area. What? With which sustainable, is not, not which what is we've nothing been taught. we not... taught at school. They live in like a a stick with a piece of bark leaning against yeah. it. 
Yeah. It's absolutely which ludicrous. Which is a convenient truth. Which is a convenient truth of the time because if you okay. go back and report that, A, these guys are natives with uh, <clears throat> no permanent dwellings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they don't have agriculture. It's a lot easier. Now, well, that's I interesting. might be rustling a few feathers here. It ties with Dwayne too because that... <clears throat> That's, um, I'd love to read that. And I do think there is some controversy though, because the only reason I know about that book is because it has ruffled some feathers. That's right. And I will go on to say that I think that a lot of the, uh, what I found really solid was the diary entries. That made sense. They, yeah. that was, you cannot misinterpret what they're saying. Okay. Oh, wow. But sometimes, this is not a slant on the author, but sometimes he will read into something. In other words, uh, it, you know, you and I might have a conversation about something and we start the conversation with facts and then we say later on, we, I think we did, did we do it with the Min Min lights? We started to have our own theories, right? That it was what, Batman. That it, that it was Batman. Right. And so I'm not saying that Batman was around. <laughs> you never know. Um, what I'm saying is the, the, yeah. the conversation starts with facts. Yeah. Oh, look, X, Y, Z, that's a fact. And then once you start to, to elaborate on that and have your yeah. hypotheses, your hypothesis is no longer a fact. Yeah, yeah. It, it can be an assumption. It can be a point of view. It can be an opinion. So you just got to be careful that the transition from fact to that is, is clear. And I try and do that. I tried to do it today in this podcast. I'm talking about an article and I'll say, now I'm reading this directly from the article. Yeah. Now I'm not reading from the article. Just this is my clear. point of view. Yep. Just to be clear that you're not in that frame of mind where you think I'm still reading and that what I'm saying is a fact. Okay. I think in any conversation that's important. Yeah. The lines get a little bit blurred. Okay. Now, when I say a little bit, I'm talking about 2% of the book. So you're quite convinced that there was a, oh, mate. a strong argument. Oh, I've never been. There's not even an argument. It's it's a fact-based. Really? Oh, it's true, mate. There's, there's photographs there, aerial photographs. I've got to read that. Aerial photographs of um, fish, rock fish traps that are still existent now. It's They're funny. It, it just came to my mind now. Do you think it's like when I remember reading that thylacine book about the about the ta uh, Tasmanian tiger and how there mm -hmm. was sightings and there was all this pseudo evidence and that was all put together to create a case that they were still alive and there was all this and I remember thinking, oh, that's there was so much controversy. There's so many different opinions. What this side versus that. Do you feel like it was? It was looked at from both ways. It was well weighed up and there was. Uh, Enough yeah, I, evidence I do. to make it. Oh, no, I do. Yeah, I, I 100% wow, do. That's cool. No, I've got to read I, that. I mean, it, I we were sold a totally different story at school. Oh, I wasn't even close. It wasn't, it wasn't even close. Even close. It, and it was. Um, anyway. In, in, in some ways, I would, I would use the word disgusting. Yeah. What we were taught is disgusting. Yeah. Look, even if this book's only 5% right, still what we were taught was ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It's wrong. Yeah. It's not right. And when you start backing that up with the reasoning behind it, you think, mm. actually, that's a good point. Why would you go back and report that all of the, you found all these cool things when, 
Yeah. By the right. time we'd moved our, yeah, I said we, it's not we, by the time they moved their cattle and stock through the areas, uh, destroyed the areas. I mean, there's even accounts of them being asked to, while all the the people are out doing their their foraging during the day, to burn the places down. So yeah. they get home that evening and their whole village is gone, um, which shouldn't surprise you given <laughs> those dark days. Yeah. But no, regardless of that, it's, it's not a dark book. It's a very positive book. Um, and I learned a lot from it. Wow. And okay. it's really interesting. I, oh, can't, I can't say enough. Yeah, no, I crossed paths with that story and I was just, I'm so surprised that you've read it. So well done. Yeah, it's a cracker. Absolute cracker. Out. Definitely moves very high up in my sort of top 10. Yeah. Okay, cool. And mate, I just want to touch on, so I will touch on a bit of media here. Th this will make you laugh. We'll, we'll finish with this, okay? This will make you laugh a bit. Uh, when I was, <clears throat> earlier in the week, I wasn't feeling that great. Uh, I was almost going to cancel this hike based on how I was feeling. Probably should have, and we wouldn't have done and all that. And then we wouldn't have done all the packing. I wouldn't have had to pack. I it know. would have been easier if I just quit. Anyway, and I would have felt less guilty. So I watched, um, I don't watch many movies anymore, but I watched Jungle with oh, Daniel Ratcliffe. That's the one I talked about at one point. Oh, in, in the podcast or to me? In the podcast, okay, I okay. actually downplayed it because I, f I thought it had a, a far a further reach. I thought it was a bigger hit or a bigger movie than it actually was. I don't think it was... Um, oh, okay. I don't yeah. think... It, oh, I, I thought don't you think... meant downplayed it because you didn't like it. No. No, I really loved it. And then I think so. not many people have seen it. Okay. Well, it was... Um, well, no, I, I, I probably agree with you that it wasn't a box office no, hit. No, but I like thought it, it probably was, but it wasn't. No, I, I don't think so. Anyway, uh, go on. Look, it might have been a... I don't know. Because just... I'd read the book. Because I introduced it to you as a book that I'd Did read. Did you read the book? Yeah. Oh. I've got the book. Yossi yet. Ginsberg. Yeah. Okay, He's so... He's an Aussie guy. Well, he, is, he lives in Australia now. Um, He was uh, Israeli. Yeah, he lives yeah. in Australia now. Um, So... um. Jungle, the book, not the jungle book, which is a completely different <laughs> cool story. Jungle, the book by Yossi Ginsberg is, correct me if I'm wrong, his personal account of what happened to him. It's yeah. not a storybook. It's a real life story. It, it, correct. Story. Yeah. So uh, he, he, and and I, after seeing the movie now, I want to read the book. I, I'm I'm reading that book because I, I want to read his words about some of the things that occur through the film. I thought the film was great. I thought the film realistically showed how quickly someone can make decisions that lead to their demise or success. Oh, yeah. I thought that was fantastically portrayed. Yeah. I thought the the dangers were fantastically portrayed. I thought that, yeah. uh, you know, the way that something like the river can be seen as... Um, that's ironic. We're talking about that, given that we uh, could have we could have been walking up a river today. Uh, that the river can be seemingly calm and the best fun in the world, and then it can turn like nature yeah. just turns and catches you off guard if you're not paying attention. Like yeah. these things, these themes come up, and then I thought it was very well done. And and again, I try not to give things away because it's it's worth watching. But if you have seen the film, you'll know what I mean about the 
um, you know, he, he goes on, I have sort of like hallucinations yep. and, um, and these, um, episodes of, and, and those things are, I, I thought were well done as well. Yeah. I thought it was, the I thought it was a good film. Captivating and they it's do tell those themes really, really well. So, okay. Book, so this is coming from someone who's read the book. You read factual. the book before? Yes. Okay, book great. First, so you, yes. You read first. the book first and then you watched the film. Yeah. Uh, I've got two questions for you. Firstly... Is it an actual? Is it a, a actual? Is it a factual portrayal of roughly oh, what happened? Yeah, I believe it's like diary entries, if I remember correctly. It's oh, like okay. this day, that day, day six, blah blah blah. Okay, it's, so you you think that is? Well, yeah, because it comes up as day like yeah. day seventeen and stuff on the screen. Yeah. Okay, so you think that's fairly chronologically correct? Yeah. Okay. The second question is, and I think you might have just answered it, is. Do you say is more factual? Is that how you? Or so, more more in depth and more detailed? And oh, that's what I want. Yeah, there's there's parts that happen in the book that don't. Happen oh, in the that's movie. what I want. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 sold. I'm ordering that book straight up. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, no, that that's cool, man. I'm, I'm wow. I, it's funny. I don't remember. It's not that I don't listen to anything you say. <laughs> It's just, you know, sometimes I just switch I off. I was a bit shy about saying it because it's, I was yeah, like, that, maybe oh, that's what it was. There's a movie that's that why we didn't everyone's go into, seen and I went and, yeah. you know. Maybe that's why we didn't go in a big convo. Yeah, I didn't dig anyway, into I it. I thought it was worth watching. It's quite good. And I just said to my kids, they, uh, I was literally watching the last 10 minutes and um, uh, one of them walked past and I said, hey, well, actually, one, the, the middle boy walked past and said, oh, wow, this looks cool. And I kind of paused it. You know, there's a bit of bad language in there. Uh, but it's well placed. It's realistic, and he said, "Oh, do you think that my older brother and I could watch this?" And I said, "I, I think so. There's some bad language, but I think we can watch it together. And I think you should. Yeah. I really think you should." And and I, the older brother walked past later and I said, "You guys got to watch this film. We'll watch it together because I think there's lessons in there about. Um, I mean." is how they got in the situation. And I guess we haven't even spoken about it. It's a a guy who's with a couple of mates. Um, they get, uh, they end up letting this guide. Yeah, show them that. I do that with the inverted commas symbol, as I say it. Show yeah. them into a remote um, part of the 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 rainforest, like three or four days hike that yeah. they'll never see if, on the tourist map and all this sort of stuff to the lost cities, yeah. uh, all of which, um, well, you'll find out, but, uh, that's how he kind of gets into this situation and you know, goes downhill. No surprises there, but mm. worth a watch. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it again with the boys. I'm going to get that book. Yeah. It's a special one. People, I think I've taken enough for, I think we've collectively taken enough of your time today. Sorry, it wasn't the stream side uh, podcast you were hoping for, but at the same time, I actually was grateful to have the laptop and my notes in front of me <laughs> for more detail. Yeah. Jump across and check out the stickers. Jump across and check out the new Facebook group. Continue the conversations. I don't know. What do you think about the film Jungle? <laughs> Tell yeah. us. Yeah. Um, anything in there continue the conversation get your hands on some stickers that's all i got to say thanks so much Craig got anything to add no thanks for joining us guys I hope you have a great day and 
yeah we'll, we'll talk to you next time all right take care guys catch you later if you're listening to this podcast on itunes we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time if you'd like to know more about hike or die tv and keep track of our adventures around australia make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.